I'm really excited actually to be here and to share. And for some time, God has been impressing on my heart about being teachable and what that looks like so that we ultimately we could become mature, fully mature Christians, sons and daughters of God, being fully who he has called us to be. Because God is into taking us from glory to glory. How does he take us from glory to glory? Well, there's a few keys that I've been mulling over. And just to clarify, there are way more keys than what I'm going to talk about tonight. But um, these are the five that I think God's highlighted for us right now. And there's going to be a bit of interaction in my preach and a bit of homework. Okay? Good. Right. Hang on. So how does he take us from glory to glory? Number one, take responsibility, I've got. He wants us to take responsibility. It's funny, Fiona, you talked about um, Joseph, this Joseph story, because I'm going to start off with that, actually. Um, you know the story, and you've heard it since you were probably this high, most of you. Um, and it's uh, basically a guy called Jacob, um, and he, um, yeah, out of all of Jacob's sons, Joseph was his favorite. Joseph was the one with this amazing coat, and had all these brothers who were a little bit jealous, and um, he was basically a dreamer always having dreams where he was the top dog. And I can imagine as a, as a brother to that, I'd be pretty a bit annoyed probably. Um, now his brothers labelled him a dreamer, didn't they? Um, and in fact, they were actually telling him who he was, even though they were kind of doing it in a derogatory fashion. Um, and it was actually this gifting that actually helped him in his God-given place of authority later on. And just as a side note, this has got completely nothing to do with my preach, but I just felt like God just highlighted it. Um, I've got a side note in big letters. What is the accuser accusing you of at the moment? Because it might be the very thing that God will use, you, use to bring you into your calling. I recall a preach by a guy called Jonathan Helser. And in it, he reminded me of the fact that when you feel scared about doing something, it's that sometimes it's the spirit of fear is scared what will happen if you do that thing. Um, like me preaching, because I never would have been here a few years ago. Um, in fact, when I, was, I remember when I was 40, my parents said they had to get talk to the local vicar because they were so worried about me being shy and talking, not being able to talk to strangers. Um, but I'm, I'm quite enjoying this. So, um, so his brothers labelled um, uh, Joseph a, a dreamer, and they ultimately they sold him into slavery. They, they got rid of him. They didn't, they didn't want him in their lives anymore. And he ended up in prison. And it looks completely bleak, yeah. So you've got... Joseph, he's got these amazing dreams that God's going to bring him into kind of, you know, top dogdom. That's not any other word, but, you know, like, make him top dog. And, um, but, but how could God come through? Because it's parallel opposites to where he um, has been promised to go to. And, but now, I was looking into this, and in, the, in um, various commentaries it says he was probably in prison between 2 and 13 years. It's quite a big gap, but if I was in prison for two years, I'd probably get pretty miffed, if I'm honest. Um, and I just want us to be just real with that circumstance for a moment. If that was you, what would you be thinking? Let's be really honest. You'd probably feel sad, right? You'd probably feel sad. What emotions would you have? You'd probably be feeling a bit helpless. If, I was, if that was me, I would behave by probably crying a little bit. What would you be believing about the situation? I've been abandoned. What might you be believing about yourself? Well, 
I'm worthless. Now this is a tricky one. What might you be thinking about God in this moment? Maybe he's forgotten about me. Right, put those thoughts on the back burner. So there's this amazing book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Has anybody read it? So good, isn't it? I keep writing all these side notes and scribbles. It's recommended to me by a guy called Danny Silk. I was like, what can I read to get my brain into gear after having children? And that was the one he suggested. Um, have we got any pictures? No, no pictures still. Oh, shame. Anyway, I had an amazing picture of a guy called Viktor Frankl, who was a Jew in Nazi Germany. And um, this book uh, kind of um, was in, the, in this... In this um, yeah, sorry. Viktor Frankl was uh, in this book. Um, he was during a Nazi, in the Nazi camps and most of his family perished. Whilst he was in the camp, he determined that there was actually one thing left that couldn't be destroyed or taken away from him. And it was this, that he could choose how this situation would affect him internally. So like Danny from Bethel um, often says, he took responsibility for himself. The perpetrators couldn't take away his freedom to choose his response to it all. He then became such a source of inspiration to those around him that he actually helped others in the prison find their meaning and dignity in the midst of suffering. And in some cases, even the guards themselves. Now, I think that Joseph probably made a similar decision of that responsibility. He chose how he was going to respond to his prison experience and hold on to all God had promised him. And these responses shaped his character and he becomes a hope to a few within his prison and then to many and and then ironically to the ones who put him there in the first place. And I love that um, God is so excited about um, our character. In Romans 5 it talks about um, perseverance and character and he wants to develop our characters so we become more like him. So number two, How does he take us from glory to glory? Well, we need to remain teachable. This is the one thing that I really felt God pressing on my heart. What is teachability? Is that actually a word? It is now. Yeah. (laughs) What is teachability? Yes, it's in the the dictionary now. Is it perhaps, now Eric came up with this one, so I can't take the credit for this. Is it perhaps the ability and willingness to hear? Because Jesus often says, and those who have ears, let him hear at the end of the parables. And I'll ask you a question. And the question is, do you have a a soft heart to hear his voice? God can use all things to speak and communicate to us. So we might want to think about how we respond to circumstances that challenge us or that we get stressed or worried about. Now, what if, not that God gives you awkward circumstances to navigate, what if they're actually invitations to discovering more of him and to mature you, taking you from glory to glory? We must remain teachable. And actually, humility opens us up to the reality that there is one who knows everything. Now, do you remember back to when you were 18? Because I do, because I thought I knew everything. But as I'm hitting my 40th 40th year this year, I realize I know nothing. (laughs) Um, And that's it's kind of um, a good place to be because actually you remain hungry. And uh, we want to be a hungry people. There's a really cool um, proverb. In fact, yeah, I love this one. It's called uh, Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Now, I think this means if you don't know something and you're seeking it out, you're a king, right? 
I, and I love that because that, that encourages us to seek. He actually hides things from us in order that we grow. Revelations are a revealing process of things that are there but hidden. And God is so into that journey and process. And there's such gold to be found in that. Now, last year, I preached, I, preached, I think it was just before we went to America, was it? I can't remember. But um, some of you know that we had a trip. God sorted everything out, and we went to this amazing retreat in North Carolina. <coughs> and um, one of the teachings, it was a Christian, Christian retreat, one of the teachings we learned there was really about how we come to the Lord with these feelings and thoughts that we wrote down earlier about Joseph you know, the sadness and the helplessness and whatnot, and actually how we repent of wrong beliefs and inquire of what God wants to replace those with and to hear his voice about the situation. God is continually giving us an opportunity to correct what might be at times a distorted image of his person. And we can literally come to him with all types of scenarios as many times in a day as we need to and hear his voice in absolutely everything. And it's his voice that shapes us and reroutes us. So I'd encourage you to even go through questions like that when circumstances are thrown at you and then repent of wrong thinking and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to say instead. And it's kind of like giving yourself a mini sozo. If you don't know what sozo is, you can speak to me after. Um, does anybody know the book um, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote called The Magician's Nephew? Yes, I was, I was brought up on it. My dad was always has this amazing low voice, like Aslan. It's like, it's like, so it always was like sort of trembling, but I sort of wanted to hear him speak. Um, now, the magician's nephew writes about a girl called Polly and, her, um, and the neighbour called Diggory. And they're both bored. It's raining and they were longing for an adventure. Then they get thrown into an adventure far beyond their wildest dreams where they discover a parallel. Their eyes are open to a new paradigm, that's my new word, in which there is a lion that speaks all this new world into being. The sound of his song resonates in them. The realization that there is so much more that they haven't yet discovered. And Aslan is the one through whom everything was created. Now, one particular scene, Polly and Diggory are flying on a talking horse, which sounds pretty cool, off to find a certain tree in a certain part of the land to pick a certain fruit which would, um, whose apple would heal um, Diggory's mother in his own land. Now, it's such a long journey, they haven't actually eaten for days. And Polly suggests that Aslan should know that herself and Diggory need food because he's that type of lion, isn't he? So I'm going to do my best narration voice now. Wouldn't he know without being asked, said Polly. I've no doubt he would, said the horse, still with his mouth full. But I've sort of an idea that he likes to be asked. So the asking requires something of us and him, of God. God. Both of these actions build connection and relationship. I'd also like to suggest that we ask those close to us about how we come across or if we need to change our view of something. At the end of this month, I will take on Claire Goss's maternity leave. I don't know whether you know, she's having a baby very shortly. And um, so I'll be working in the maternity department. Um, not maternity department, music department. <laughs> That's wrong. You scrap that. <laughs> I'm not qualified in that. Oh my gosh! Right now, the lovely Tim Smith, the lovely Tim Smith will be my line manager, um, and he's also my friend. But we agreed some months ago now that actually 
we are going to be committed to speaking truth to each other and getting feedback from each other. And I love that because although there's probably going to be highs and lows to that, (laughs) that we've actually committed to doing that to each other and with each other. And I think it's the inevitable that you can grow if you listen and you think and then you act on the things that you feel agreement with. Um, so, and when I get stuck, personally, um, I actually get help. And it's not a weakness to get help, it's wisdom. And I'd like to suggest that in, in building these systems of whole living, um, it becomes a habit if we do them enough. And, you know, and they embed themselves into our lives and they reap the fruit of maturity. That's mine. That's my quote there. So also in the seven habits of highly effective people, it talks about in, that inter, interdependence, not independence, but interdependence. And um, it's this inquiring of each other and working together. Um, it's, it suggests that we can accomplish far more, even at our best, than we could accomplish on our own. It says this, I have the opportunity as an interdependent person to share myself deeply and meaningfully to others. And I have access to the vast resources and potential of human beings. So being teachable requires us to be interdependent and will bring out the best in us and others. We have to get over any fear of intimacy that we have. Number three. What's up there? And we need to be like children. <clears throat> so we need to become like children in how we approach God. And our children are dependent. So we need to be dependent on him. Um, now, in the same breath, we're actually, ironically, we're actually called to have mature minds. But, um, and, and in short, that's a demonstration of what we learned in our learning. In Matthew 18, it says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the, the kingdom of heaven. But the question that I have for you is, are you willing to be totally dependent on God, not having all the answers? Because his ways are off, above our ways and his plans are above our plans and that he is sovereign. And yes, he, 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 um, he longs that soft heart open to him. Children are totally dependent on their parents for their protection, provision, nurture, and teaching. And I think that's what Jesus is referring to here in Matthew 18. Interestingly enough, the verse preceding this one is where the disciples ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Here, the adults' minds are on performance and works, very much like this culture. And it's sometimes easier to depend on ourselves than him. So another characteristic that children are great at is this. They are fabulous askers. <laughs> I mean, they just keep on asking for cake, crisps, <laughs> or toys, or how many days it is to my birthday. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to be like that. Woo! I'm not going to start again. <laughs> you, can, you, can go, you can go forward a few things. Um, So James 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So how do you get wisdom, and how do you mature? Well, ask, like children do, literally all the time. We are number four now. Yay. So what know, know the season we are in. So what season are you currently in? What was God highlighting to you at the moment? It's so easy to get lost in where everyone else is flowing, especially in a massive church like this, and start living out of their journey and comparing yourself. But where are you headed now? 
please don't compare yourself to anyone else. Ultimately, the times and seasons for your life belong to God. And it's like reaping and sowing. You can't reap if you haven't sown. Knowing the season you're in it also can reduce any guilt that you might have. Um, if, if you're going on a you know, beautiful sunny holiday or bunkering down like a hermit and reading the word every night for a month. Because you know you don't have to feel that guilt. In Daniel 2 it says, he, ch- he changes times and seasons and he deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning and he reveals deep and hidden things. What if the journey was just as important as the destination because of all that God wants to teach you in it. I'm going to say that again because I think that's really key. What if the journey was just as important as the destination because of all that God wants to teach you in it? What is God building in you now? Because he is building something in you, whether you feel it or not. Don't overlook it. Write it down. Draw it. Collaborate with it and embrace it. And if you don't know, ask him and ask friends. Learn what he is teaching you today because you need it for your journey. Like Polly, we need to ask so that we can learn and allow God to direct us and to navigate us. I'm going to recommend another book to you now. It's a brilliant one. And I bought it just after I had my third child, and my brain was mushy. Some of you may know that the Strength Finder book by Tom Rath. Have you all heard of it? Strength Finder. You have this. This is the one. It's brilliant. And um, it's amazing identifying and realizing who God has made you right now. Now, one of my strengths is futuristic, which sounds really exciting, but I sometimes forget to live in the actual present. I'm always like, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this. Um, And it's really funny because, and I think God's laughing at this one because I actually married a enjoy the journey kind of fella. (laughs) 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 So we had this amazing tension. Um, so let's just think about today for a moment. <clears throat> so today we're actually living in some of the dreams that we have had in the past. Yes? So it could be that you've finally owned your own home or you've got married or children or in that job that you wanted or you've made a, I don't know, got into a sports team or whatever it is. And to make those dreams a reality, you had to embrace potentially risky circumstances. And I've got, you can pat yourself in the back right now. You have embraced intimacy and risk and patience and even physical pain. And so reminding yourself of where you have come from and thanking God for where he has taken you is invaluable. Because actually we've learned and been teachable on the way. And this blew my mind when I thought about it. It's a good one. Um, guess what? The character that is God is maturing in you right now, you will take into eternity with you. So some little homework questions that you could think about is what have I learned in the past to get to where I am today? How can I encourage myself in these things, which we're certainly not taught because we're quite self-loathing sometimes in um, the UK, but actually encouraging yourself is a really, really good thing. And it's actually taking responsibility for yourself and you actually have permission to encourage yourself. What am I learning this particular season? I know that at the Randy Clark conference, some, he prayed for me and it was about knowing God's love. And I thought, I've done that one. <laughs> I've learned that, surely. And, and it's like, God was like, no, this is like forever. And I was like, yeah, that's good. That's, that's foundational truth, isn't it? <laughs> it's 
So your minds can t- play tricks on you. Um, how can I encourage myself in these, these revelations of what he's doing? Number five, who does God say I am? And surround yourself with these truths. Now, if you don't have a prop- any prophecies, prophecies, God's voice for you, then go and get, go and get one, two, three. Get as many as you can because God's speaking all the time. And there's going to be an opportunity later to get prophecies and just to, for God to speak to you. Who does God say he is to me right now? And um, when we were in America and this retreat, there was a guy called Ken Helser there who was kind of like this grandfather type of person and you, you listen because you know he knows everything. <laughs> and um, he was just talking and he's a painter and uh, he literally just paints what the Holy Spirit um, shows him and um, so there's one picture he showed us and at first glance it seemed kind of ordinary it was like a, a little flower next to a fence and, and when he began to describe what God showed him to him in that picture it blew my mind because I, I would have easily overlooked it um, but he, and he says um, the reason why he does art is because he wants people to be surrounded by truths of who God is and he said if you've got kids you surround yourself with truth surround them with truth um, and yeah interdependency which we briefly talked about before is a good thing and God actually puts you in communities to help you um, and just be wise who you allow to speak in your life um, so the question is really who do you have around to speak truth to you I'm still working on how I weave these reminders into my life and actually there's different seasons um, that allow for one or two to develop and I found that journaling is a really good strategy for me to remind myself of who he is and what God's taught me. <clears throat> and in the, in, in the future, I want to do more painting and songwriting as another kind of strategy. So, number five. Um, it's really important if we're knowing that God's calling us from glory to glory to actually have a, a clear view of what maturity looks like. Um, because being teachable pays, pays a way for us to become, come into full wholeness and but it really is, what is the question? What, the question is, what is wholeness, actually? So years ago, when I was about 19, 19 yeah, um, I did a training course with Soul Survivor for six months. And every week, and every, um, we'd have different um, modules. And one of them was um, about wholeness. And it, it, it's always stuck with me. Um, we had a piece of paper, and we had these different areas of wholeness um, with a picture, um, with a uh, dot in the middle, and that was us. So... On the piece of paper, we had the physical, emotional, intellectual, social, spiritual, environmental, occupational. These are probably just a few of... There's probably more than that. Um, and we had to draw, um, draw a circle or um, to show us where we needed to grow, where areas we needed to grow in. Now, I could fill in the blanks for you here and say, you need to jog more, you need to laugh more, read more, hug more, pray more, clean more, work more but I'm not going to say any of those things because actually that's your responsibility with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will make it sustainable for you. He will also highlight areas that need growth when he thinks you are ready to work on them. It's a bit of a challenging one. (laughs) So let's be good learners and let's learn as he highlights things so that we can grow. And if you don't learn these things, I've got... I have I found in my life that actually he brings those sitchins around again. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, 
confronting those weaknesses till we overcome them is, um, is actually loving us. And it's his kindness, even when sometimes you think it's just the opposite. So I've got a little testimony. Um, and it's something that I love to share. So it's called my mirror story. Some of you may have heard it. Um, so I was going, uh, I was about 25 maybe. I was going to some inner wholeness workshops in London. I was a bit nervous. I was on my own. And um, you know when you just know, this is the time for me to get sorted. I'm just going to do it. So I went up into town and I thought God would just teach it to me within the four walls of that room. However, he decided to work it out in some present day realities, which he likes doing, doesn't he? So I was living in Lee Green at the time and uh, I was in a rented house and it was having some home improvements. The electricians were, f- were there actually four weeks um, and they were supposed to, only supposed to be there for one. They had like electricity turned off, water turned off, gas turned off. It was kind of like, okay. Um, now the old me, up before that conference, I, I would have probably gone, what? okay, never mind. You know. But I thought, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write, write a letter. Um, so I wrote a letter to my landlord wondering if I could have some money off my rent that month. That was quite a brave thing for me to do at that point. Um, now, at the same time as doing this uh, conference, um, every day as I was walking to the station, um, I passed a shop in Blackheath. Now, for, for any of you who've been to Blackheath, it's really expensive. <laughs> it's really nice. And, um, <laughs> sorry, love, expensive taste. Um, and um, I just started dreaming of buying this mirror. It was this beautiful mirror in the shop. Um, and I thought, well, maybe if I got a bit of money off, maybe I could, maybe I could buy one of those. Now, there were two mirrors. There's a 150-pound one with a little, little chip, a little crack at the bottom, and it's a 400-pound one. And I thought, well, I can't do that big one, but I can maybe do that one. Um, so, well, you can guess what happened next. Um, God taught me that he was passionate about me, valuing myself enough to write a letter of complaint to my landlords, so much so that I didn't have to pay my 400-pounds rent that month, so I bought the 400-pound mirror. So every time I look at my mirror in my bedroom, I just think, I am loved by a good God. So if I go through the questions I asked you earlier about Joseph, what was I thinking? Well, I was pretty frustrated about my home situation. What were my emotions? Well, I was really helpless and I felt really undervalued and taken advantage of, actually. How was I behaving? Resentment was building up towards my landlords. I could feel it. (laughs) And what was I believing about the situation? Rubbish stuff happens to me. What was I believing about myself? I'm worthless. And this is a tricky one. What did I think about God in that moment? I thought, maybe he doesn't really care for me and have my best intentions at heart. But as I took responsibility for the situation that I found myself in, I could have made do, but I decided to risk it and love and value myself. And God taught me in that moment that he loves it when I love myself. And I learned that, and I'm still learning that lesson. And this is one of my favorite verses, James 1, verse 4. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You could so overlook that, and it's such an amazing promise. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So just to end, really, um, 
just with my slightly prophetic hat on for a minute. Um, I think as individuals, I think we're all actually coming into a new season of maturity. And I feel that as individually we, we grow into that wholeness and maturity that the church is growing into her full maturity. Because God's coming back for a mature bride. And it's time. It's time. We owe it to the generations after us to be fully mature so that the next generation can surpass us. There's an amazing book called Fire and Fragrance by a guy called Sean Foy. He does the Burn 24-7 things. And Andy Bird, who's a leader in YWAM. Uh, This uh, chapter was called uh, A New Standard Maturity, and I'm just going to read it to you. It's my firm belief that from this foundation of his love for us, resulting in extravagant expressions of love back toward him, we will see a company of people excel in intimacy, revelation, and fruitfulness. We will call it acceleration, though it was always supposed to be normal. The maturity of our 18-year-olds in the spirit will start to look like that of a typical 30-year-old, and our 30-year-olds will start to look, think, and walk like a 50-year-old. I believe this, this to be true due to the fact that we have set the bar for Christian maturity and fruitfulness so low that when someone really sets their hearts and eyes on Jesus and begins to walk out the natural lifestyle, we all take notice and comment on how much beyond their age they seem. I believe that what we have defined as radical is going to seem complacent compared to where we are heading. What we have called acceleration will become normal. In 2 Corinthians verse 18 it says, And we, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is his spirit. So today I just really want to encourage you to be the the person who God made you in all your splendor, as it's his glory in you displayed for all the world to see. And whole people, mature people, inspire and challenge others in this environment and beyond out into all the nations of the earth. That's, that's what I have to say today. Um, and I thought as well, maybe afterwards, a bit later on, if there's anybody who feels like any, any, any of those points resonated with them, like just having a soft heart or child nightness or wanting to know the season you're in or asking for wisdom, then there'll be an opportunity for prayer later on. Shall I? Yeah, let me pray. I'd love to pray. Um, yeah, I just want to close your eyes and picture his face in front of you. Uh, yeah, thank you, God, that you call us into greater revelation of who you are and who we are. I thank you for what you're doing in each one of us. Thank you that um, you call us by name and you're doing a good thing in us. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that we would be like children, completely and 100% dependent upon you. That we would have soft, soft hearts and be so teachable that we learn and grow and learn and grow. And it just every season would be a season of growth. And we would go from glory to glory. We thank you that you're so loving and so kind. And that you are our firm foundation. That you are the author and perfecter of our lives. We thank you that as we grow into um, full wholeness that we are going to be such good news to the world. <clears throat> Thank you that you live inside of us. And we give you every part of us, God. Every part of us. Our physical 
nature, our social nature, all the emotional, intellectual, all those things that make up us as individuals. We give every single part of it to you. And Lord, would you just highlight what we need to listen to you on in this season. Let us not miss out on your loving kindness and your loving voice. And Lord, would you bring people, the right people alongside us to help us grow. This is a safe place because this is family. We thank you for what you're going to do, Lord God, in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.